So today we are drinking oh wow cock and bowl ginger beer, which is a super cool like branding and logo. Like big fan. Like it, it's giving off Kentucky Kentucky chicken energy. I like ginger beer. To give you the context, the cock and bowl is not as vulgar as it sounds when you see the label. <laughs> it is a chicken head and a bowl. Uh, ooh. Needs a can opener though. Bottle opener. You don't have one on your keys? I grabbed my spare today. You have okay. <laughs> That's fine. Hold on. Oh, actually, I think I have one. Oh no, I think I took it out to fly. It's a hazard. Time to use your teeth. I have two dollars in my backpack. This is great. Have you have you seen the? Uh, you're not on Instagram or anything. There's this like total redneck looking guy, and he like takes a can a bottle of Corona, and he like first he like licks it top to bottom like the the bottle. I've seen that. And, but video. then he snaps off the lid with his teeth, and then he like he swirls it. He swirls it and chugs it in like two seconds. It's kind of creepy. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna go grab a bottle opener. I'm gonna eat chicken. Graham, while I'm gone, why don't you explain to the listeners what you're eating? Okay. So yesterday, we were gonna go, it was after church, and I was hankering some Popeyes or some Raisin Canes, and Blake was like, those sound great. And then all of a sudden, I was like, but we should save money. But I had already, like, I had fried chicken on my mind, and now Blake was excited for fried chicken. And I was like, well, why don't we go to Aldi, and I'll make fried chicken. And that was less exciting, for sure, but it was nice that we had Zach sauce in the fridge, so that was something to look forward to. So we got home. After I made the man at Home Depot cry... A little bit because I talked about our dog and he missed his dog. He talked about how he buried his dog with a can of beer on the beach. I was like, sounds like a, a true friendship. And then got home and I fried some chicken in the pan, pan fried. And that's what I'm eating today. And now Carter's back. Wonderful. Yes. I didn't realize we had three of these. Uh, glad bottle openers. Mm. It's like we're just ready for a barbecue. This is a shout out to Glad for these phenomenal bottle openers. Graham, what are you eating? I missed the whole thing. <laughs> I'm eating pan fried, fried chicken. Mm, okay. It's not as like, it's still pretty good. It's not like the deep fried, flaky level regular fried chicken. But if you need fried chicken in a pinch. This is the way I did uh, flour, uh, panko breadcrumbs, salt, pepper, garlic powder as a dry mix, and then just eggs. It looks really good. It is pretty good. I'm currently eating. Um, this is my greatest delve into chicken y stuff. Because um, usually I just take chicken, throw a bunch of random stuff on it. But this time I tried teriyaki. Um, and it turned out okay. I'm not mad about it. It's a lot of, I use like a half a bottle of teriyaki sauce though on like three chicken breasts, so. But welcome to the lunch special of you, uh, <laughs> back to the roots. This is where we normally record Eat My Shorts. This is where we normally, yeah, it feels weird. 
Graham and I have been gone for the last two weeks um, on the road. Shout out to the Red Team and Brent Paulus, one of my loyal listeners, through thick and thin. <laughs> um, should be like an award you give to like your like. I should get him a case of rip beers. Yeah. When he comes off the road, I will. Here, okay. let's let's clink it. And let's see. Ooh, very gingery. I like it. Yes. The did you get these from the hard store, hardware store? I did. Because I couldn't find... They have all these sodas, but I couldn't find like a normal root beer. Yeah. This which, is good. Yeah, this is good. And the branding is really cool. It's... Uh, it does say, since 1946, the extra ginger soft drink and Moscow Mule mix. So, if you're making Moscow Mules, I guess look no further than cock and bull. <laughs> It's fun to say. It is. I'm sorry. Um, Graham, have you seen... <laughs> There's those people out there who do not like talking to people with their mouth full. You're going to hate this podcast. Just click away. We don't want you here. <laughs> have you heard um, or seen this Around the World in 80 Days show? Mm, I mean, it was... It Was it, was it a thing It was a COVID? book. Well, I know it's a... Yeah. And then it was a movie, an old movie, The Terrible... It's like a, cl- a classic movie. It's terrible. Well, when you say old, what do you mean old? It was like in the 50s. Wow. Or 40s or 50s. And it's a bad movie. It's so boring. And then they made a new remake, which I haven't seen with Jackie Chan. Which is, that was like early, mid-2000s, I think. Yeah. So other than that, I haven't heard of it. <laughs> okay. Because I was on Spotify today, and it popped up because Hans Zimmer did the soundtrack for mm-hmm. it. It's a show. And on the soundtrack, platform? I don't know. But I feel like I remember seeing something about it. Sounds um, like an Amazon Prime. Or like a Paramount Plus. I'm Googling it. Do, 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 do. If my chicken sounds slimy, it's the green beans. <clears throat> you know what I realized? There's two foods that like when people eat, it sounds like slimy or like, mm-hmm. you know, very... Gum smacking. And those are tacos... And mm. pizza. And with pizza, yeah. I think it's just the, the texture of the cheese. That It naturally fits the roof of your mouth, it so you kind of have to have that like smacking kind of thing. You know, speaking of the roof of your mouth, I uh, I got a good look at it yesterday. It's nice. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a meme, and uh, it's like the face you make when you realize that your tongue rests on the roof of your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, shoot, that is really weird. So the uh, okay the 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 new so the remake wait 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 okay no this is the show. Uh, it has eighty percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Wait, is this a show? Yes, it is. Okay, where do you watch it? Amazon Prime. You got it. You can also watch it on YouTube, Apple TV, and Vudu. But it's uh, subscription based. Amazon Prime. Nice. But the soundtrack so far is pretty good. I've only gotten a few songs in. It has. Um, don't know who that is. Liani Benesh, David Tennant, Ibrahim Koma, Peter Sullivan, Chevy Guy. I don't know who these people are. The 180 Days like concept is like an interesting concept initially. Mm-hmm. But then it's like it's also kind of like I don't know. You have to make it really like of my experience of the book and the old movie. It can get boring real fast. Well, it's kind of like you forget that they're traveling around the world, and it's just like they're in different 
cities in different countries yeah. and maybe having adventures. It's been a while, though. And I didn't read, like, the adult version of the book. I read, like, the... Um, one illustrated one? The great illustrated classics version. So it's, like, abridged. Those were great, though. Mm. Although I remember... The best. ...getting one. I think it was... It was Tom Sawyer, great illustrated classics. And then all of a sudden... I was like, I was reading through it, and then I'm like, "How oh, I read this. Like it's, And it was a, a misprint, and it had printed the first half of the book twice. Oh, no. <laughs> I was like, this isn't working. You said that was Tom Sawyer? Yeah. So I never got the full Tom Sawyer experience. I don't think anybody's gotten the full Tom Sawyer experience. <laughs> well, actually, I'll bet you there's somebody out there who lived that life. <laughs> when we were down in Louisiana, though, like... Mm-hmm. Crossing over certain rivers and stuff. I looked, Tom I'm like, Sawyer. this is like Tom Sawyer country. Like, I don't know where his origin origin like took place, but I'm like, this feels like real life Tom Sawyer stuff. Great segue into, <clears throat> we were gone in Louisiana for like, we are in Louisiana for like two weeks. I mean, I don't know the specific, because all the days got jumbled up because there was some interruptions. You were there late. Mm-hmm. I left in the middle. And then we moved to Kentucky and it was so like just give the rundown of what was going to happen so what was going to happen um so graham came up with this idea for life action our job which is where we currently sit on lunch break um to shoot like a documentary sort of thing with one of the life action road teams um so the plan was he was going to shoot video i was going to run audio like a separate audio rig which DM me if you want to know the details because it was a fun little setup, but most of you will be bored listening to it here. Um, so the plan was we were going to go down together um, and actually kind of like ride down with the road teams because they were leaving our area and also driving to Louisiana. Mm-hmm. But what panned out was I got the dates wrong when uh, we f- were f- thinking what day we were going to leave. So, But right when I... Uh, before we left, I got COVID, I think. It was never confirmed because my test got canceled. But um, so I had to stay behind. Graham left with Blake, mm-hmm. his wife. Because um, I wasn't going to go for three weeks without her. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was going to be two weeks. Yeah. But still. It kind of turned into three. But we, we left. And we were they, the plan was, was go down with the team overnight somewhere. But because we got the days wrong, Graham and Blake left a day late. Which actually kind of panned out because uh, the roads were real bad when the team was leaving the Michigan, yeah. Indiana area. And while like on I-80 or whatever, they got rear-ended by a semi, uh, which is crazy. Um, only like, mm, I can't remember how fast it was going, but it was like it slid on ice. It was stop traffic, so that sort of thing. Everybody's fine, but uh, that's what panned out there. And the Graham and Blake, you know, they get down there. The team gets down there. Um they're down there for a few days. Graham's grandma passed away. So then him and Blake left for Texas, and they left for Texas right when I got there. So I flew down and joined up with them in Louisiana. Yep. And I flew into uh, Lafayette. Which everybody there says Lafayette. Lafayette, whatever. Which is actually, fun shout out to our UFC fans, is where Dustin Poirier lives. Really? Uh-huh. That's his hometown. He trains, though, in, in Florida, but he, hmm. uh, he lives in Lafayette. I didn't know. Yeah, it was crazy. So then I shot and did audio, so I picked up where Graham left off for four days while him and Blake went to his family in Texas, and then we met up when they got back, like four or five days later, and then we killed it. But Blake got COVID, 
Facts. While we were in Texas. Mm-hmm. So it was fun. It was fun because we got to do everything together in the churches and everything. And she was helping out because, well, she was originally going to take some behind the scenes photos, which she got some. But then she was helping me out with gear and stuff and just being there on the trip. And then as soon as you got there, she had to kind of like duck out. And so she was at the, we were like kind of social distancing at the Airbnb <laughs> the whole time. So the Airbnb, okay. Heads up to the listeners out there. If you go to um, Columbus, Columbia. Columbia so Louisiana. the first one, the first place that we went to was uh, Eunice. Eunice. And we just stayed in a hotel, like a Holiday Inn. There's like literally nothing there except, you know, your classic chain food in this Holiday Inn in this church and like seven banks. <laughs> um, but then we went to Columbia, which is the next church where we met up with Carter after we got back from Texas. Right. So um, we're going to backtrack real real quick to Eunice because some stuff did happen there before we get on to Columbia. Um Right after Graham and Blake left, um, the team had an off day, so they didn't have to do anything for their conference um, or whatever whatever it's called. It's a conference. Yeah, it's a conference. They call uh-huh. them refuels. Yeah. Um, so I was hanging out with Brent, the team revivalist, and uh, his family, and they went with the pastor's family to a, uh, a Cajun swamp tour. Which was exactly what it sounds like. Like we show up, it's basically like it's it's nice, but it's like a shack on the edge of a big lake slash swamp thing, and we all climb into a flat bottom boat and we drive around through the swamp for like, you know, like an hour, or whatever. And if you've watched like, um, Duck Dynasty, or like that Discovery Show Swamp People, like it was that sort of thing. Okay, this is the crazy part. So um, <laughs> we show up. And I'm kind of like going around, looking around, shooting some footage. And a boat comes in with, you know, some people who had just done the tour. And the tour guide, he looks like a swamp man. <laughs> like, it was crazy. He's like, he's less, I'd say, like around four feet tall. Whoa. He probably weighs like 75, 80 pounds. Like, he's very scrawny. He, uh. He's got big eyes. He's kind of got, you know, the kind of some like hillbilly-ish sort of buck teeth. I mean, I don't know how else to describe it. Like, this yeah. is just what I'm seeing. You know, he's like all in, uh, he look he looks like a swamp person. Like, this is the, I looked at him like, this place is legit. This <laughs> this is going to be a swamp tour. And we didn't get him, which I was kind of bummed about. Uh, we got another guy. But it was 10 out of 10 would recommend occasion swamp tour. Um, it's interesting like everybody there, only in Eunice that they really referred to, because the pastor is like, you know, referring to the congregation himself, you know, it's like, you know, you know us Cajuns or whatever, you know, or like we're talking about food or just the type of people, you know, and it's always mm-hmm. a positive thing, but it sounds so derogatory to me. <laughs> it kind of sounds like Asians. <laughs> so it is. It seems, it does nope. seem derogatory. Um, but... You know, I was kind of, I feel like they took a lot of pride in their food well, in Eunice. So, Columbia. Totally different vibe, which Brent warned us about. Yeah. Which I'm glad. But Eunice was like, so the food was Cajun and kind of good, but like, it wasn't like incredible. 
No, you did miss the one night we were there because they had like a chef <clears throat> mm. who had prepared all this food. So there's like the two different versions of like Cajun cooking, which is like the home, like the home style gumbo, and um, what's the other one? Uh, it's like gumbo, but not as saucy. It's like, um, so what's gumbo? Explain that. To gumbo people. is like a soup with like a rice base that has like sausage and shrimp and beans and stuff in it. It's kind of like throw whatever you want in there. Yeah. Like, like the the chef guy had like baby shrimp and all this other type of seafood and sausage and stuff, and it was like really nice. And he had all this like pork tenderloin that was wrapped in bacon and all this other stuff that was like nicer versions of like the Cajun cooking. Mm-hmm. And then there was the other person who did uh, gumbo, and it was like had like hard boiled eggs in there and like half of like a chicken breast it was like just like chunks of food in there chunks, <laughs> chunks of stuff um and it's very like you know church potluck but kind of like the better it's not like it's definitely a better version of church potluck but it still is in that family and everything so it's not like knock your socks off like culinary like explosion of like flavor but it is like like it's the best gumbo I've ever had. You but, should start a cooking show called Graham's Knock Your Socks Off Explosion culinary, of Flavor. <laughs> culinary Experience. Graham, Graham's Knock Your Socks Off Culinary Experience. Hey. There you go. One day. Once I get better at making this fried chicken. The, uh, and then the other version, because then we travel north, because like Eunice is pretty south in Louisiana. and then, It's about two hours west of um, New Orleans. Yeah. And then you go up to Columbia, and it's more of like Louisiana barbecue. It's more of like, you know, chicken steak, like Louisiana style barbecue, which is not Texas style barbecue, but it's it's not so much like Cajun food. And Brent was saying how like if you take the origin, because like they take their pride in like their uh, I'm gonna get it wrong, but like boudin, I think, mm-hmm. which is like sausage with rice in it as a filler, which is weird texture-wise, but it's like they have pride over it. And then cracklin, which is, like, they use every part of the pig, so they take all the pig skin and they, like, fry that. So it's not, like, pork rinds where it's, like, crunchy, but it's, or it's, like, not, like, light, like a Funyun. It's very heavy and dense. and It's like a cube of kind of dry meat. Yeah. And if you get, uh, like, I had it the first time. It looks like, when I went through the line, it looked like potatoes for a second, but it was, like... It's just dry pork skin that's really crunchy. And if you get the really, really tiny crunchy parts, that's the best part because it feels like it's like the just the fry off of fried chicken. Mm. I initially thought it was fried chicken because it was just like it's the best parts of the fried chicken. But then but those like foods are like pretty cheap. Like it's off of like the cheap stuff. So like that whole genre of food, Brent was saying, is like kind of formed around poverty and they've just taken what they their resourcefulness and made it something like big so like you fill the sausage with rice because you don't have enough meat or whatever (laughs) that's really funny because that's that kind of tracks with uh with my lifestyle because (laughs) i was eating um so uh it wasn't the soup version but it was the drier version what's what's the soup thing called it's not jambalaya is it no hold on i gotta research it because that was way better than I like that way better than uh, gumbo. But so, so there's a version of gumbo. Graham's checking on what it's. It's not. Excuse me. It's not gumbo, it's but it's 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 very similar. Um, yeah, it's like basically when I ate it, it was like rice and then like meat in it, 
And Graham's saying that this like originated in poverty. Like, is it jambalaya? It might be jambalaya. I think it's jambalaya. Um, you saying it originated in po- in poverty totally makes sense because I tasted it and I'm like, I feel like I've accidentally made this. <laughs> and I'm basically impoverished. I will say though, like, <laughs> like it's probably true like that area in the South, you know, it's probably not, it's not like a hub city. So it's like Louisiana is like, there's probably a lot of history there that I, I'm not educated in, but like to like, I think like my, my great grandparents are always like, like they have like this like knack for taking like whatever you got and then making it really good. And now they've just refined it over time. So, yeah, I mean, it, it was pretty good. Um, what was the, is, boudin is the stuff in the pig esophagus? Uh, or, pig, or like, what yeah. was the thing called that was in like, it was in a sack. It was like in a tube. It was like uh, a sausage. Okay. So know. they had, they had this thing, which was basically, um, the jambalaya, but it was inside of like a, uh, I don't think it, it might've been pig intestine. I can't remember what it was. Oh. It was like a very skin sort of, it was like kind of transparent. It was like a tube. I mean, that's just, is that just sausage? But it was a. It, 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 it kinda, was from the animal. Yeah. Um, the casing. And it wasn't like firm like a sausage because it was very still ricey and stuff. And actually, what people would do, some of them, is they uh, they just kind of squeeze it out like gogurt, <laughs> and they don't eat the skin. I tried it both ways, and I understand it's like it's actually a pretty good finger finger food for like on the go. Like if you went <laughs> yeah. to a Cajun place and you're like, I'm on a road trip, but you want some Cajun, you just. It's it's a vibe. <laughs> Very good though. Like yeah, compared to like the Midwestern potlucks that I've been to, I don't know that Midwest has like a, a staple food. Like they like in Louisiana, they like they know what you're making. You're like you're making jambalaya gumbo and all the accoutrement with that. Accoutrement. But like the church that I grew up going to, it's like we have uh, meatballs and uh, dominoes, lasagna, and lasagna. And maybe some sliders or something. Mm-hmm. Somebody will bring ribs, maybe. It's just yeah. like you never know, and it's all doesn't mix. It's just yeah. like a bunch of like... And random. none of it's really good, necessarily. Every now and then you'll get a good dish. And that's gone, like, yeah. the first thing. But, like, this was, like, equal quality from sides to main dishes and everything. Mm. So They had some kick-butt fried chicken down there, too. We went to this... Uh, before the Cajun tour, we went to the... Uh, a, uh, like a, a little mall or not mall sorry a little uh, I think it, it might have been in a strip mall but it was a supermarket and just like the side of a Martin's or a Harding's even but they had some really good really good fried chicken how long did it take for you to like because I know you were while planning it all because you, you were deep in the planning mode like you did most of the logistics for it uh kick into like being able to have fun traveling because like you you kind of have because like you were stressing pretty hardcore going into it and we've talked about aspects of that but like just get into the like work mode of like working with the teams you had some like nerves about interacting with the team initially too mm-hmm. which i knew that you were going to overcome that but like when did that how long did that take it was honestly probably a good thing that uh so like the first two or three days were um, a process of kind of getting comfortable. Um, I, uh, 
once I got comfortable around Brent and Maggie, then it could kind of spread to the team. And there were a couple of team members that like, uh, gra- I guess kind of gravitated to me right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, and that made it easy because I didn't have to seek out interaction too much. But it was a good thing that you and Blake left because that forced me to get comfortable because when okay so when we're shooting something together especially like with a road team yeah it's very easy for us to isolate and just like we don't need anybody else sort of thing yeah and that but, was initially what happened when i like when i showed up the first day they were unloading and i didn't even like introduce myself mm-hmm. which i needed to get them unloading but it also was like i'm just that guy filming and it right it took a long time for me to actually feel like i knew everybody's names because it's like i just kind of dove into it as his fly on the wall, which is the intent, but it does make it hard relationally some at some points. Yeah, it definitely. So it was a good thing because it forced me to do that same thing. Yeah. I'm like, I can't hang out with Brent and Maggie the whole time, and if I'm going to eat meals with people, I need to kind of put myself out there and ha- eat with some randos. Um, so like I think within the first day, so traveling up to. Louis, uh, Columbia, Columbia, Columbus, Columbia, Columbia. That was good. Cause I rode with the team in the bus, um, for at least half the ride. And that was, uh, that was really good it, that you can't really like not get to know people when you're on a bus. Yeah. Which that's what I thought when yeah. I, I, I kind of premeditated that. Cause I was like, this yeah. is going to force you into, and I was hoping for that too. Cause I'm like, Brett and Maggie are great, but if I'm going to have to like socially interact with people, I want to do it with these team members because they're cool. I know they are. I just need to get to know them. Yeah. Um, and that was good. Cause I got comfortable with, with them more there. Um, and then I also got like an hour and a half in the truck with Brent because his truck broke down. We had to go to a place to get it fixed. And then I rode with him the rest of the way. Uh, he, got... <laughs> uh, when him and I were in the car together throughout the trip, he would, point out because like Cajun is like part French so he'd be mm-hmm. pointing out all these French like words on signs like towns and cities like how do you pronounce that how do you pronounce that <laughs> that was fun <laughs> I, lo- I love the French language but um yeah to answer your question it re- I really didn't get comfortable with the team until Columbia it was the day you guys got back I think mm-hmm. um and I was kind of just sitting before it was before lunch at a table in the gym and the team members were like making lunch and just kind of hanging around. And then Rebecca, who is one of the team members who I kind of hit it off with right away, um, she's like, Carter, you can hang out with like the, because she just saw me sitting alone. She's like, you can just hang out with the lunch crew if you want. So I'm like, okay. So I kind of like just went in and sat on the counter and in, in there and started talking to them. And then I had a probably like a half hour conversation with a bunch of them. So that was really fun. And that it was at that point that I was like, okay, I'm starting to get more comfortable. Yeah. And it, it was nice because, like, we – part of it for me, and it would it – would, like, I admire them for it too because, like, there's so much interaction going on. And I like a lot of interaction, but the fact that they have to go back to host homes yeah. and do that is insane. Yeah. And they're already spent – like, they're doing their regular jobs most of the day. Some of them, you know, it's waiting until the evening when the conference actually happens. But there's still some responsibility throughout. And so, like, for us, you know, we had – we were filming all day and we're like probably on more than they are, but like I was ready to be like done. So it's like they're like constantly in the thick of it and everything. I learned that you had to, because um, especially when I was I, I was in the bus with them between Columbia and Kentucky for like eight hours, yeah. And from the beginning of that day 
till the middle of the next day. I was going like a hundred miles per hour with them because it was fun. It was great. We we're having a good time. Um, but I realized after that, I was just gassed. I'm like, you really have to monitor. You have to know yourself. If How much your output is. Exactly. And you have to monitor it because like I have a tendency when I'm in that situation, just go hundred percent till I'm running on empty and then a little bit further. And then I'm dead for like two days. Yeah. But I realized like if you're in that situation, you need to know yourself well enough to go, you know, have spurts of a hundred miles per hour. But then before you, while you, while you still have fuel left in the tank, you have to say, okay, I'm going to step back. I think that's a valuable thing that you either learn on the road or you, you have that knowledge going into the road, which gives you an advantage. I was talking to the, there was another Graham on the team. Yes, there was. I was talking to him and he was saying that, you know, him coming out of, most people come between high school and college. He came out of college, I believe. So you kind of had the routine of like doing homework, going to bed, getting up so you can get classes done and everything. So he had some like, and he's probably one of the more introverted mm-hmm. ones. Yeah. Until so, until you got to know him. Yeah. <laughs> and that's with everybody too, which is nice. But like being able to know your yourself and know like when you need to like step back. And there's I think that they do a good job job on the team where you it may seem like you're constantly with people but you definitely have the space to kind of like pull back if you need to right yeah and you could tell some of the people yeah who are more mature because they were able to like and some people have more output than others so they can go i think some some of them probably could they're like keep being energized by all the interaction so Mm -hmm. they you know they may not need that you know that time it was super fascinating too to like you could kind of pick up on who was first year and who was more experienced mm-hmm. just from general behavior and and whatever. It was a little I realized that two of the guys that I got along with the best were like 19-year-olds. I'm like, what does this say about me? I'm 24, but I really liked the energy like the one guy Ethan. Ethan was super cool. Um it was so weird when I found out that their dad was like the 5Q guy because I'm like, yeah. I almost interned for your dad. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had like a Zoom interview with them. Yeah. And just there was a logistical thing that fell through. But um, <laughs> him and I went out when we were in Kentucky. Okay, yeah. To the male audience out there, which I'm pretty sure is everybody who listens to this. I'm not sure there's a female audience at this podcast. Um, so you know that satisfying feeling when you go out and you throw rocks into like a lake? That can be even better. Now, you need to find uh, a lake or something that's frozen over. So we were at this camp in Kentucky, and we went out the morning, the first morning we were there, because it was right on this, it was a river, but it was a big river. Uh, and it was frozen over, not enough to walk on. About like an inch. An inch, maybe inch and a half. And there were all these big rocks. And by big, I mean, you know, like uh, maybe, you know, anywhere from four to inches to like a foot long and you know sized appropriately um I, <laughs> these were appropriately sized rocks they're almost like bricks but they're yeah. rocks yeah, yeah yeah that's a great way to say it um and we found out that if we threw these like up in the air so they would land on the ice they would if you did it right they would stick in the ice halfway and it was so satisfying <laughs> it was amazing <laughs> it was that was a nice part of the trip because we've been going, again, we had been going so hard the whole time because it's like normally we would film just the events in the evening if we're doing like a promo but because we're doing such a like a documentary approach. We're yeah. filming from like the morning to like the evening and then after the evening is done. So it's like, you know, with breaks in between, it's, you know, from like 8 to 
you know, nine thirty or ten. Yeah. With some like couple hour breaks. Sometimes we had long afternoons. But when we got to Kentucky, it was like there was not a lot of like demand to film. So it was like the first time we got to actually just like hang out with the team as us and not mm-hmm. just like as camera operators and everything. It was just like the headquarter people, but we got to just like hang, you know. Which yeah. Was nice. And the ice rock thing was like therapy yeah it was like therapeutic and uh, ethan to pull, pull that full circle ethan was the first one that him and i did that for like like we barely knew each other like he was sitting in the back of the bus during the bus rides and i was like halfway up so we didn't talk on the bus um but we like bonded over throwing rocks <laughs> that was great i did have a weird thing happen though it was like a mental thing even when i was so in kentucky i was bunking you know with the guys yeah and the like the whole team and at that point, I was pretty comfortable with them, and they had, like, adopted me into the family and whatever. But I had this thing that would happen every day where I would wake up, and I would be, like, I would almost feel like I was starting from scratch with them. Hmm. And there was nothing... Based on the way they acted? No, no, no. There oh. was nothing, like, it wasn't anything that they did. It was just, like, am I in the same place that I was with them last night? Because, like, you know, it would be later at night, you know, the way, like early 20 year olds are in like groups like that like at, you get all at, excited at night, off like, of group energy yeah and... it's like you know you're you're singing songs around the campfire or whatever and you all bond and then like i wake up the next morning and i'm like are we still bonded oh, yeah like are we friends i don't know what to i don't i have to feel the vibe and that happened like every day um the last leg of the trip so and it, and they proved me every time they're like okay you know yeah we're still cool but um it was a weird thing, and I'm not sure why it happened. But I mean, I think it is that kind of like shared experience thing where you it's easier to like read the room and to just like jump. It's easier to just jump in. But in the morning, everybody's just kind of like it's kind of majority the time of people kind of like being chill, you know? Yeah. So it's hard to just be like, I'm going to ride this chill energy, <laughs> you know? <laughs> it, yeah. It was a great trip. Um, 10 out of 10 would do again. Um, it's a bummer that all the, I would, I would probably be pretty emotional if I was to travel and get bonded with all these randos from across the country because it would be a lot, especially like, cause yeah, I would, I would get bonded to these. Like I was, I mean, I, I, it's a bummer that everybody from the team lives so far away cause I probably won't see many of them again. You, we probably won't see many of them again. Some of them will return travel. Some of them do yeah. live around here. It'll but. be a rare thing yeah but over the course of two weeks of just like and we were just in and out and they're there all the time you know which you know we get to see some of the better parts of that because we don't experience most of the conflict just the the the, right the friendship of it you know we did and all of them were really nice so it's like the team was nice overall and i talked to you about it but i did see some conflict which was refreshing because i'm like finally like you hear that, you know, the road teams, they're like, oh, you know, there can be drama and all this. And I wouldn't call any of it, like, drama per uh, se. This team was very, like, mature yeah. overall. So, like, mm-hmm. drama was on a low. But doesn't mean it wasn't there. Yeah. It was nice to see some little bits of humanness. Yeah. It's like, there's no way that people can hang out in this group and just be all buddy-buddy all the time. So. Have you adjusted or are you, did it, was it even, did it even phase you coming back from traveling? Uh, it kind of phased me in the sense of just like I was really tired, but um, I knew I, I had a similar feeling leaving the team that you do 
like when you graduate high school and you're like, or graduations, and you're like, I don't know if I'm going to see these people again. Like it was all, my emotions were very relationship based. Yeah. So I was kind of like, man, I, you know, I don't really want to go back. You know, everybody here is super cool. Um, I want to, you know, I, I feel like I, you know, I, we could be friends if we had longer to, to be friends. <laughs> it is. But yeah. It's like it, 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 some people, I feel like, you know, I don't feel like, I don't know what I'm processing, but like me and Blake were talking about how like we, her a, a lot was like, didn't really miss like our apartment or like where yeah. we were necessarily. The only thing we missed were the relationships. So it's like, it is kind of crazy how you can almost feel like a sense of like home, like like when you have other, like not to say that we abandoned our relationships because over time we would miss, you know, even mm-hmm. stronger. And it was nice to even see like my family in between because it was like, it, would, it didn't feel as long, yeah. you know. But still like, uh, when you get so close to like another group of people, it's like, oh, this is kind of like, you know, if you did that long enough, you would feel like you're home, you know, and then you leave it, you know, like it's, I think everybody's like, most people are tied to the people in their life, not like the right. location necessarily. Like the thing I missed about work, even though I was working, it was uh, the people in the office, you know, not like doing the stuff at work type yeah. of thing, which I enjoy, but it's just like, yeah, I don't know what I'm saying, but no, it's like, that's definitely true. It's like coming back was nice, but it wasn't like I missed like Michigan necessarily. Mm-hmm. I just missed the people. So I think no matter where you go, I know that I couldn't be a hermit, I guess is what I'm realizing. <laughs> I had an interesting thought kind of regarding that, like the word home. Mm-hmm. Of course, I think because <laughs> let's be honest, the best part of this. So let me backtrack slightly to what we were talking about. Um, I, I did, I've been through that emotion of like leaving like a group of people that you got tight with. I've gone through that enough to know that like, even though this is hard now, like I knew like, I'm going to get back. It's going to be fine. You know, you graduate high school, you make new friends, the friends that meant anything stay friends. So I'm like, this will be fine. And I've, I've come back pretty strongly, but the best part of coming back from a trip like that is finally going to the bathroom in your own bathroom. And by going to the bathroom, you know what I mean. You're taking a dump in, in your in your castle. And it's, home. It's home. It, it, your body's relaxed. And so I think it was some, It was during one of those castle times that I, uh, I had the thought of like, you know, like, you know, you're living at your parents' house. Because like, I don't call my apartment home. Like I, I do sometimes, mm-hmm. but it feels weird because I'm like, this isn't home. And my parents' house isn't home anymore. It's my parents' house. It doesn't feel like home anymore. It's kind of like, you really, it's, you know, it's whatever the word home means. You know, it's beyond a house. It's beyond. I think it's like where your people is. Like I would almost describe home as in the Michiana area because, and not that I don't consider our apartment our home, you know, but Mm -hmm. it's like, it's like you go where your people are. And sometimes you, you due to circumstances, go somewhere else and you, doesn't mean you're like people change, you know, you meet new people and you develop a new home, whatever, but it is interesting. And you never, you never hit that perfect home, no matter who you're with, no matter like if you were with everybody that you're tightest with, um, it's still, there's still going to be aspects of it that like, this still doesn't feel like home. So that's when you lean into that Christian answer, you know, like there will be perfect community in heaven. It is interesting. Like my grandma, like... Uh, her last couple of months when she was like, 
she moved from like she was declining and we we knew that she was going to be passing away soon like i had a feeling as we were even starting the trip i was like this might happen and i was kind of giving people a heads up you know and it wasn't necessarily anything obvious it was just like a feeling that it was like something's going to happen but like she moved out of her house into like an assisted living she had dementia so like her quality of life was declining and we were all ready for her to go home and even she like the whole time they would take her to like as she was slipping and she was at her house she's like like i can't wait to go home type of thing and it's like the, part of that's the confusion of just her, you know, mental state mm-hmm. then too, but also like, like that longing, even like, it's kind of like hardwired, like I'm like un like unsettled, I'm ready for something else type of thing. Either you're worried, which if you don't have Jesus, it's like terrifying, or you're just like ready to go home, like for it to be done type of thing. Mm-hmm. So, And that's, I often wonder... And I, I've, I've come to kind of feel that I have an anxiety that kind of is around death now, but assuming I live to be in my 80s or 90s, I'm pretty confident I'm going to be that guy who's just like, yeah, I'm just ready to go now. Like mm-hmm. just, and I think that, you know, just having life experience and kind of just experiencing the only sort of fulfilling things here, I feel like I've already kind of experienced them. You know, community relationships, those things are the most meaningful, like, things that you can experience here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like I've kind of experienced those already. So I guess I'm good now. <laughs> Not at all. Um, but I feel like that anxiety is going to leave more as I get older because I'm going to be like, I'm, I'm ready. But that is one final kind of morbid question that I have asked myself more mm-hmm. recently. Like you're older, you're on your deathbed. Um, you don't even have to be older. Just say you're on your deathbed and you're aware of where you are. You're aware of what's happening. Where do you choose basically to die? Because mm. like you could sit in the hospital yeah. and they might be able to extend it a few days just because they're able to monitor and whatever. Yeah. But like if you know you're dying, like do you want to go back to your house? Do yeah. you want to? I remember seeing a picture of somebody who like had their deathbed. They're like a little like stretcher type thing and they had it them like wheel it out to the beach and they Mm -hmm. had them like sit on the beach which i feel like it's kind of a terrifying thing uh to just like it's kind of a terrifying question to just to choose where you're gonna die Uh you know but if you like if you've like committed to that you know reality like i would probably uh want to go like be with the people like like care about so like i would want to be with blake so if the ideal would be to like uh i don't know like be i think it would be kind of relaxing in a way to be like right up on the beach mm-hmm. facing the water and just feel like the waves like washing in mm-hmm. and then just like go that way <laughs> it'd be crazy for some reason i was thinking beach too, like sunset or something like if you could yeah. time it right yeah because i wouldn't want to live past the sunset <laughs> it's just like I'm ready to die. So it goes down. I'm still alive and now I'm cold. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's kind of, and I've asked myself, I'm like, do I want to spend, would I want to spend that time with, you know, people that I'm close with? Like, mm-hmm. would I want to be surrounded by my family? And part of me is like, I'd almost rather be alone. Yeah. And I think that's, just, that's partially me not wanting, because 
I don't want to be there on like next to somebody's deathbed as they're dying. Really, yeah. I'd rather be like saying my goodbyes thing. and then hear like they passed away. I'm like, okay. But I just I, I feel like it's a weird thing to be next to somebody as they die. So I feel yeah. like I think let me say my goodbyes and then spend the last little time alone, extra peace. Dude, I think it's my social anxiety. <laughs> my social anxiety no makes people. me want to die alone. Let me die alone. <laughs> it's not like your curse. It's your wish. <laughs> exactly. Here's another idea. What if you just died on a merry-go-round? <laughs> just strap me to a horse. It's <laughs> <laughs> so gross. Amazing. <laughs> what about... <laughs> it's like every time... Is he dead yet? No, he's still... Is he dead? No, he's still... You could uh, you could extend that and say a Ferris wheel because then it would be like five minutes in between when they see you. Like, He's still alive. Give him another five. So sad. But maybe it's how about a roller coaster? Just just give yourself a heart attack on the way out. Uh, that actually might hit you with adrenaline and pull you out of it. Yeah. Five more years. Okay. Well, lunch break is over, so this has been a fun conversation. Yeah. Cool. Well, okay. Well, I will, uh, I'll wreck it. I don't know. I don't know if you do wrecks on I don't do wrecks, but you can, you can wreck I'll something. I'll just casually recommend, uh, for people who are tired of Jim Gaffigan. <laughs> um, <laughs> are you tired of Jim Gaffigan? <laughs> he came out with a new special and I listened to it and it's more of the same, but it's good. I mean, if you, if you, if you like, you know, a really good cheese pizza and you're like, I don't want to change it up. I want to go with the usual, like, then listen to comedy monster on netflix but if you want something different you want to have the same clean energy but uh different go uh <laughs> his name is nate something <laughs> i think it's like average american a greatest average american and like tennessee kid uh-huh. on netflix those are his specials nate uh garb gar, gar- Getsy, something like that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's a good. That's what we, on uh, in between going from to keep us awake from traveling from Texas to Columbia, we found new comedy. Nice. And then the you know the classic. If you want just great comedy, listen to John Mulaney. I have to bring this up because you brought up comedy. Um, I'm singing out with Josh and Nathan. Uh, uh-huh. Shout out to Nathan Jones. He was on the first podcast about anime. Check it out. Uh, and he was like, have you guys seen the Bo Burnham special? I haven't seen and it And this yet. was like a couple days ago. And I'm like, you know what? I never did, but I remember hearing everybody talk about it. So uh, he's like, I've seen it five times. Let's watch it. So <laughs> we watched it. And it's like a commentary on like modern society almost. It's very much, he's in his apartment. Um, I think it started during lockdown. Yeah. Because he just has a bunch of cameras and a bunch of lights. And he shoots an entire like very creative. It seemed like creative like. Just mastery, like, yeah. As far as like what you can do with just yourself, yeah. And he's a comedian, but like it's very the the special. It had like it, parts of it were funny, but then at the end it gets more serious because it has to do with him being all alone and dealing with all the anxiety and stuff that came with lockdown and COVID for a bunch of people. Um, and you know, obviously, letting you know, he's definitely not a Christian comedian. Definitely not Christian at all. Very secular. <laughs> Uh, lots of fun words he uses. So um, just be aware. But it is, it's quite a vibe. And I understand why Nathan has watched it five times and I may watch it five times as well. <laughs> uh, don't quote me. Okay. Um, thank you guys for listening. It's been fun. We'll be back at you with another bottle another time. 
It's a great end. I, it is. I'm so bummed it took me this long to sit back at you with another bottle. <laughs> <laughs>